tell a little bit of the story of Patrick and um, Patrick of Ireland. Here's a guy who, 16 years old, and uh, he's enjoying sort of sort of growing up in the suburbs of Roman Britain. His father and grandfather were church leaders and all that. Didn't really have a faith of his own. Gets captured by uh, raiders uh, when he's about 16 years old and sold into slavery. Uh, finds that his two best friends there in Ireland were loneliness and cold and thrown a bit of hunger there because he's, he's a shepherd boy. But in those days, you just go off into the mountains days on end and he, there's nowhere to escape because he's on an island and he's in a pagan world. And in the midst of that, he opens his heart to God. God uses this to really rattle his cage and uh, he comes to a faith of his own. And uh, so he's the mystic type, and he's out there through the night, and it might be snowing, and he's cold and wet, but he's praying. And God is warming his heart uh, as, it, as he's never known before. And he talks about how he grew in the love and the fear of God. And uh, now I see that this is from his, um, his sort of confessions, like his short biography. The spirit was burning in me at that time. And so he hears from God, and, um, and uh, he, he gets this sort of dream and then a prophecy that there's a ship there waiting to take you home, and the only problem is a couple of hundred miles away, so he escapes, he finally gets to the port, he goes back home, and it's now time, you know, let's write the book, go on the speaking tour, you get to speak at Hills, or you know, do the Willow Creek, whatever, and you sell the book, and he's set for the rest of his life, you know, just telling that story how I, you know, escaped from slavery and captivity in the pagan lands. But God shows up again uh, a number of years later and somebody who remembers from Ireland hands him this letter and, and it's an invitation to come and walk with us again. So go back to the place where he was broken, where he was a slave, where he was, you know, uh, knocked about and uh, become an apostle. And that's what he did. And transformed a nation in his lifetime. And adapted his methods. You know, in those days, the, the sort of... Uh, it wasn't a settled, stable society like in the Roman Empire. They sort of moved around in these tribal groupings. So he reinvented how we do church. Instead of having this sort of settled, here's your local church, he just said, let's have apostolic mobile bands. And we'll just travel around the country creating these mission centres. And not only reaching the Irish, but they soon become part of what became the Celtic missionary movement. And it was sort of very, um, what's the word, charismatic. I mean, somebody would get touched by God and go off into the woods somewhere to pursue Christ. That was sort of their game plan. And then pretty soon others have gathered around them and then formed a, a, a mission base. And, um, and they're seeing you know, whole regions of Ireland transformed. And then they're getting the call to go pilgrimage for Christ. That was their, their motto in uh, Western and Northern Europe. And for 500 years this goes on. Uh, eventually the Roman Church won with all their organisation and money and resources and learning and all of that sort of stuff. And, and the fires uh, sort of um, got stamped out. But it took them 500 years. And... Uh, it's, it's a, a missionary movement. And a lot of people have heard this story, but it's a missionary movement that uh, transformed the world. Now, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, slavery was stamped out and the warfare sort of between the tribes was overcome. And um, 
I think it's just apocryphal about the snakes getting kicked out of Ireland. Mm. I don't know if anyone's got more information on that. But here's, you know, I mean, and I say this to people involved with young, I mean, who knows, you might have a Patricia or a Patrick in your ministry right now. And you think, what does it take to change the world? Well, it doesn't hurt if God's on your side. But it also takes people like Patrick who are just desperate. First of all, for, I need to be transformed. And second of all, I'm willing to trust God. Even though I, I'm, I'm not well educated, he was embarrassed by, you know, his Latin was sort of pretty ordinary and had a very simple message, very biblical faith, very experiential faith. Um, and a lot of people criticised him for what he did. So what I'm saying, it wasn't just when we look at his mission, when we look at his mission, the legacy he had was a missionary movement. So it's not just what he achieved in his lifetime. It's, it's something, it's this virus idea. Something took off in Ireland that had a life of its own, transformed lives, and you know you have a dynamic movement. It's when the people you've been ministering to take the ball and run with it. You know, it's a way without you having to be in charge and control because God's got a hold of it. And this happens time and time again in history. Um, G.K. Chesterton has this great quote. He's sort of like a Catholic C.S. Lewis. And he says, five times in history the church has gone to the dogs. And on every occasion it was the dogs that died. I love that quote. And God's always bringing renewal to his church. Always. Always, it comes from the fringe and then impacts the center. There are no exceptions to that. Uh, to that, it always begins on the fringe.